I'm not a person who regularly has ideas for inventions or someone who spends a lot of time thinking about it, but I have had a couple over my life. The one that I think had the most potential was an idea I had when I was probably 21, and it was it was for an attachment or a type of toilet. I learned how the the toilet refills with water at every flush, you know, clean water right out of the whole house system and and goes into that tank. And I thought someone should invent a toilet that instead of just filling that tank, you know, behind the scenes, so to speak, it should fill it into a little tiny sink bowl or a little tiny sink on top of the tank. So the second after you flushed, you could kind of, you know, gently wash your hands. That water you washed your hands with would then hit that little sink and go into the tank. You would use less water. It would be more economical and efficient and just overall a better um, toilet design for conserving water. I've actually seen that toilet um, about five years ago. I saw it online and it was, I think someone tagged it as something that existed in Japan. So not sure if that had been done for decades there, but I bring this up because we're talking about inventions today. And our guest is Stephen Steele, and Stephen has invented a new concrete mixer. And you're probably thinking, how could that be possible? How many ways are there? I'm going to take a minute and describe this mixer because we don't do that in the interview. But the steel mixer works by by rocking a bucket back and forth, more or less. And the, the weight of the bucket is resting on, a, on an axle. You're, you're simply just kind of tipping it back and forth. And as it pivots, the water and the cement slosh around and mix themselves up. And there's a lot more engineering to it. it, it I, I'm saying bucket, but it's a bucket is not the right word. It's a very carefully um, shaped uh, container that the mud uh, hits and, and sloshes itself around in. And then it has a, a method to kind of lock itself and it's designed so you can scoop it right out of the mixer with a shovel. It's really neat. It's it's kind of one of these uniquely simple designs. And when I first saw it, my thought was, how has, how has nobody else thought of this? Or how come I've never seen this all the time? It seems like it seems more obvious than mixing mud in a wheelbarrow, which is the way that most of us do it. So... We're talking with Stephen, and it's primarily we're talking about the process he went through getting this patent. He's a contractor, a general contractor in California, and just really a neat guy. And uh, man, it's just such a fun story hearing him explain the, the process of getting the patent and developing this tool. And he's the story. He's in the. He's like I don't even know if he's halfway in the story because he. This is all kind of recent, and he's just now sort of pivoting to this new phase of getting his product out there and selling it and distribution, you know, the part that, uh, that matters. And so I'm hope I'm happy to help. I hope that we get some, uh, a, a couple viewers who watch or listen to this, who think it's something they could use. Uh, we're going to have one on our main channel one of these days, and I'm excited for my dad to see it. Cause may maybe he's seen something like it before. I doubt it, but we will see. I hope you enjoy the interview. Steven is a really great guy and we're talking about patents. We're talking about ideas and, and developing them. It's really more about, I wouldn't say goal setting, but certainly persistence. This guy was told no repeatedly, you'll hear in the story, and it's really a testament to that, 
that grit of sticking to something and sticking to your guns. And um, I just was really, it was really a pleasure to talk to him. I hope you enjoy it. Without any further ado, Stephen Steele. First of all, thank you for taking the time. And I got to think, you and I were just talking, but you've probably just been on this journey for I don't know how long, but separate from the tool itself, can you talk about this journey you're on, the stage you're at right now, and what the last however many years have been like sort of since this uh, idea got started in your head? 13 years. <laughs> I, wow. uh, it all started when I went to my sister's, my little sister's wedding in Virginia. And we were, th- I was there for about a week. And my grandfather built a house next door to my dad's house there. And, you know, before the wedding on a Saturday, I look across the field over there and I see my grandfather in his backyard working with this machine and I didn't know what he was doing. And I'm a contractor and I know all the tools. And, and I, I was stopped in my place and I'm like, what is my grandfather doing? So I immediately walk over to him and I realize he's mixing concrete in this contraption. And I said, Grandpa, what are you doing? And he goes, don't you know about this? This is your great grandfather's invention. It's, uh, it mixes concrete. And I was fascinated. And I'm blown away and spent the afternoon watching him mix more and got in there. And, and you know, that machine worked. It, w- it worked way better than a wheelbarrow and nicer than an electric mixer. I don't know if you use those. Those are horrible. But um, basically, it was a, it was a heart-shaped mixer. And it flopped it back and forth. And, uh, you know, after I flew out or flew away from the wedding and, you know, I was thinking about this machine. It's all I was thinking about. And, you know, it was supposedly our family secret. It was quiet. No one, you know, keep it in the backyard, hide it, don't show anyone. (laughs) And, you know, and I was thinking, man, why aren't we, you know, monopolizing this? This is incredible, right? Way better than a a wheelbarrow. Um, And then I flew out and saw my grandfather again, like three years later and asked him if I could have that. Oh, well, wow. y- yeah, but the problem is then I came and brought it back and found out through, you know, a couple thousand dollars that some guy in a, all the way across the country named Hewitt invented this heart-shaped mixer in 1941. And then the depression came and, and that whole thing got lost, right? Nobody ever saw this thing again. Um, you know, I I liked it. It worked better than a wheelbarrow, but it didn't quite work because it would just—it was a heart shape, right? So it would just flop it back and forth. Really didn't uh-huh. really bust it up a lot, and you still had to get in there, but still, hands down, it was easier than a wheelbarrow. And then um, about two years later, I woke up like this light bulb went off in my head, and I said, "Wait a minute! If you put another trough in the middle, it'll create this." mixing chamber now instead of this flopping chamber yeah and that's when i went head forward with this i put my head down it was before christmas my family didn't see me i was out in the garage trying to build one of these (laughs) which which took gosh almost a half a year to build one because i don't know if you've seen my prototype but metal bending like this is almost impossible yeah and uh and then another light bulb came off and I realized how to bend the metal properly. Um, 
And then I finally got to build one. And man, that day that I mixed a bag of concrete in one of these new mixers, the steel mixer. Yeah. I, I, I had goosebumps. I was chilled. I'm like, this is worth patenting. Yeah. You know, this is an invention and, and I credit my great grandfather's invention, but you know, there, there was a lot of, uh, a lot of hard work to get to that part, you know, to get to the steel mixer. Yeah, that is so cool. So I'm guessing to some extent, I'm sure it was modified here and there, but for the most part, that additional chamber just instantly created the turbulence and it was pretty much like close to perfect dis to, to dis some extent. Disrup disruptive eddies is what I call it. Yeah. You know, it really does. Um, it's that, that extra chamber really makes this turbulence in the middle of just not flopping, you know, it's making like a, a, yeah. a mixing chamber in the middle and you can see it when you mix it. It really is, you yeah. know, you can um, mix a full bag of concrete, throw some gravel on the top, right? And then move it back and forth and the gravel won't be there in oh. about two turns. You know, it, it's a thorough mix. I, so I got to think to, just like your grandfather or great grandfather was thinking this family secret at that moment, you were probably feeling a little bit like protective of it as well. What was that like? Uh, it's, uh, yeah, non-disclosures yeah. <laughs> to anybody that wanted to see it or talk about it. Um, um, getting my wife on board with filing for a patent was, um, she's a, she's a realist and, you know, I, I credit her, um, to, you know, helping me get it. She, she was the backbone of this whole company really, you know, keeping everything in line and, mm -hmm. but when you have a, a patent attorney look at the Hewitt mixer, the old one and its design, and then you have my design and you hear him say, I don't know if you're going to be able to patent this, you know, you just yeah. added this little trough in the middle. Yeah. And my gut was telling him, no, I, I didn't just add this, you know, there was a lot of ingenuity involved in this, you know, and isn't that what inventions are is, you know, prior art and, you know, yeah. So talking your lawyer into getting a patent is, <laughs> is well, and easy. paying them, you got to like talk them into it, but also oh. got to like, you're the one writing the check over and yeah. over, I would assume. And that's what I told him. I said, I'm willing to invest the money to get this, you know, a chance, you know, to get how, a patent. How is it that a, a patent in 1941 or whatever you said that, that is still a protected don't, don't patents expire at some point or. How is it that almost 80 years later that that invention is still not public? Well, it is public. Um, but if you want to protect something of your own, you know, you can't oh. mimic it. Yeah. So oh, 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 I, I see to know. differentiate yours from what whether it was public or still under patent in order right. for yours to be under. I understand. Right. Right. Um, you know, I, I learned a lot with the patenting process. And honestly, when it comes down to getting a patent, it's all about the words, wording and having a, you know, it's in the wording. What does the word say that that picture does, right? Because oh. it's in, and, and um, one of the things that Hewitt's patent said was prevents disruptive eddies. His shape does, it prevents it. <laughs> and mine says encourages disruptive yeah. eddies, right? And that is the key difference between his and mine. Um, wow. that's how I actually, I mean, completely honest is getting, getting my patent is right there. There it is. 
not only is it the design and I had to write a, you know, I mean, back up a little bit. They said no to my patent five times. Oh. And every time they say no, you have a choice. You got to write a check, first of all, a big check. And then you got to pay people to argue it. Yeah. So I had, you know, an engineer helping me and a patent lawyer and, and I'm a general contractor. I don't have a lot of extra dough. Right. Right. And my, my wife's a realist and my biggest supporter, but, um, you know, that was rough for her too, you know, to, to be writing checks that could be just thrown away. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Especially writing the fifth check, you know, it's like, these people don't care about you or your idea. It's nothing to them. It's your right. whole world at that point. It's just, it's, it that, is. That, that's a tough, <laughs> God, like rolling the dice one more time like that, man, that, that, that's impressive. Well, honestly, that last time was the last time they said this, look, this is your final time, you know, to explain why you think you should get a patent. Um, and before that last time I used the lawyers, I used my engineers, they were arguing all this stuff. Right. Um, and what I really learned though, is I, I guarantee you my next patent that I file will be a lot easier. Cause I learned a lot about what they're looking for. And I ended up writing an affidavit about how I started the process prior art and what process it was to actually get a working steel mixer. It wasn't just drawing a little circle yeah. in between and snapping my fingers and saying, hey, I got a great idea. No way, man. There was a lot of work involved and a lot of thinking and a lot of, you know, I get some of my best ideas right when I wake up in the morning, like that I'm so fresh right then, you know, and I'm yeah. like, oh, wait, I know, right? There was a couple, I call them light bulb moments. There was a couple to get this steel mixer and I wrote it all down and my wife, she went in and made it sound, you know, solid. She's paralegal and also everything else, but made it all solid. And then literally they gave it, gave me the patent within a month. Wow. And, uh, so I, I've done things that the people I hired, it, it was so much like make or break, like who you pick for this project and, and, and for good or bad. So what, what do you say to, and may, if you were doing another patent or going for, are you going to just kind of take the lessons you learned and be in charge of it? Or do you have a attorneys and people in mind? Like I'm going to try these guys next time. Or, or wh what have you learned in that regard? Thinking about somebody who might have an idea, who's, you know, just scared to jump in for this exact reason. They don't know these things yet. And they maybe not have, they maybe don't have the confidence with whatever person they're working with. Uh, I definitely feel like you better have a good lawyer though. You know, that knows the, the words and the wording of, I forget what they call it, but you know, I don't know if you've ever heard of a patent, but the way it's written is kind of, you know, English that a language, it's a language I never heard of before. It's really, you know, law-y, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, having a great a patent attorney, but also um, my advice would be to, you know, you're going to hear a lot of no's and keep your confidence if you believe that you have something that's worth making. You know, uh, if your gut says, hey, I want one of these, you know, and everyone else should have one of these, then you know, I, the, the nose didn't slow me down, man. I knew deep down inside that this was worth pursuing. And, you know, the world needs a steel mixer. It really does. And I know it's coming from me, but, you know, the, the simplicity of mixing concrete with it is just incredible. And I'm, I'm still shocked every time I mix one that, man, I got a patent for this, you know, <laughs> but yeah. just, you know, yeah. 
There's something beautiful about simple machines. I mean, I love complex machines also, but sometimes when you see it, and, and when I first saw your mixer in a video, I remember just, I was just shaking my head. Like, how is it that this doesn't exist already? Like, how, and I, I, I think I read the, the title first, like a brand new way to mix concrete. And it's funny because it sounds kind of like, inventing a wheel it's kind of like no there's only <laughs> one wheel it it really sounded like that and i'm and when i saw it i i was just shaking my head like son of a gun it really is and it's so simple you know they were on the right path in 1940s they really were they were what what it is is if you think about every way that we mix concrete right now it's fighting gravity right in a wheelbarrow, you're pulling it and the gravity is making the shovel heavier, hoe or whatever you use. In an electric mixer, you know, it's pushing the concrete up and uh, the mm -hmm. big cement trucks that are mixing, you know, all these ways or even this bag, like the two-man bag thing, you know, you're lifting it up and, and the steel mixer, the second the gravity is heavy, it flips over, right? So yeah. there's like, gravity is actually mixing concrete for you. It really and is it's the inertia also like the weight becomes like your friend because the inertia is like doing exactly. the swinging for you right right and they were so, on that path in 1940s they were but the depression came in you know yeah we had a, um we've had we had a company send us a mixer from europe but it's really beautiful mixer and i know they do a lot of masonry and concrete over there so they just mix a lot more types of cements and mortars and stuff than we do so it makes sense that they have more mixing tools but it came with like this big bucket barrel thing and i remember and one of the first things that i you know noticed was like man if you fill this thing up with concrete it's heavy so how how does the steel mixer work in general in terms of that's the benefit of a wheelbarrow you you got it on a wheel ready to move and almost every time i am mixing concrete in a wheelbarrow i'm i'm then like moving it somewhere but how, how do you approach a job with a steel mixer since there's not a wheel under it so i have four attachments coming out and right as we speak right now, they're being built and, you know, fabricated and going through testing. Um, one of them is a backpack attachment. So you can actually pick it up and walk up a hill and dump it where you need. Oh, wow. um, the, and the other thing is you can also carry the whole machine inside of it, right? You're going somewhere. Yeah. 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 And your water and your lunch and everything. Right. Whatever. Yeah. Right. Um, huh. The other one I have is a wheelbarrow attachment. If it's, you know, so you can set the steel mixer on top of that. Um, I have a truck a hitch attachment for the farmers and the ranchers. So they can put all their stuff in the back of their truck and have the steel mixer right there. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, let's see, one, two, three. That, that's the, all the attachments I'm working on right now. Uh, okay, that, that is too cool. And yeah. it's almost like anytime you get a new tool, you may not know exactly how you're going to implement it. In other words, I was just, when I was, I've got some projects here and I was imagining, okay, if steel mixer, well, I would probably just mix the mud right next to where I was going and then move the mixer to the next location right. or something like that. You know, you, you, you might yeah. just kind of change your workflow to some extent like you do with any anytime you have a new tool or something, mm -hmm. right? We uh, did a job where we did five yards and mixed it with the steel mixers. That's we a had lot. Four of them. It was. Wow. And we built a little platform so you could get the wheelbarrow underneath it. And that's uh -huh. when I was like, wait, we need a wheelbarrow attachment, right? Yeah. And I was going to make one that fits on top of a wheelbarrow, but then it's too high up. So I was like, dude, I'll just make my own wheelbarrow, right? So yeah. 
that's what we're doing right now. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. So are you the kind of guy who always had ideas, you know, when you're a kid and younger, like invention ideas? Is this something that you're, you've, a muscle that you've sort of developed over your life? Or is this sort of the first time you kind of got in this sort of inventing mindset? Uh, you know, that's a great question. Um, you know, I had a pretty rough time in school when I was younger and I have dyslexia. And, you know, when I was a lot younger, I, I felt like, you know, I wasn't a smart kid in school. So I really didn't allow myself to go into deep thoughts or stuff because I was kind of brainwashed. Right. And being yeah. in the military, you move around every three years. So you're dealing with a whole new teacher system and like, oh, here's the kid with dyslexia. And they didn't really understand it when I was growing up. Huh. I'm thankful for it because it makes me think outside the box, really. Um, so to answer your question, there was um, kind of a light bulb moment for me where I realized, man, you know, I love when there's a problem, I love trying to figure out how to solve it, right? And the big one was with the steel mixer, it started, you know, the steel mixer came into my life and I started thinking about it and then actually building one and having it work just made me open my mind. And honestly, I have about seven or eight solid inventions that I'm going to hit right after this one. Wow. Um, some are construction and some are in different areas that I can't really talk about right now. But sure. um, yeah, I'm excited about those. Although I, I do feel that the, the, the mixer is definitely probably going to be the most productive one because it yeah. fits with a lot of different people. Mm -hmm. uh, in third world countries and, you know, globally. Right. Um, and then some of these other ones are for more, you know, people that have money. So separate from the challenge, let's say of obtaining a patent and, and developing your prototypes, which is, which is intense and in some ways seems like enough to steer people away. But even after you get a patent, the whole process of distribution and manufacturing and like moving a product, there's so much expertise in that, that I know I don't have. And so I'm curious, you obviously have like unstoppable energy and, and I'm sure you're just going to apply it towards that and solve it. But how are you looking at that now? Cause I, I assume to some extent that's the next uh, nut you got to crack. Is that right? That's a really good question. Uh, and it's all new to me. Um, I, um, learned a lot in the last eight months about distributing and like all my sales are going to go off my website right now. Yeah. And I, I'm not selling third party. I'm selling direct. Um, and I learned a lot about shipping and how expensive it is. Uh, eventually I probably will have a factory, you know, centrally so that it can go like, you know, mid, mid, Midwest kind of area. So that shipping's less, but uh, it's all been trial and error and, and, and not afraid to ask questions. Um, I'm thankful that I, um, I have a very good drop send drop shipping company down in LA that also makes my mold. Um, oh. they, they do all the shipping from right there. Uh, cool. and you know, I learned a lot about molds, right? Cause I have two different molds for this. I have an injection mold for the axle and then I have a tumble mold for the drum. Um, and as far as, uh, it was all trial and error, really just asking questions, calling companies, Hey, how does this work? Can you huh. check out this part? You know, I want this to be made in the USA. And, and, yeah. uh, and then I've had a lot of no's too. a lot of companies that just, um, 
aren't really nice people, right? They just care about the buck. And, and yeah. uh, so I learned a lot about what companies to trust and what, what ones not to really. Yeah. You know, I, I'm sure there was a time where if you couldn't get your, your product, like in construction, let's say in like, I don't know, Northern Tool or some big catalog, it's kind of like, or Home Depot, then good luck. But I guess this day and age, you can sell it right on your own website directly to people so that that barrier is not quite maybe what it used to be. Um, hey, can you explain these injections again? Because I that's another thing that I'm sure you've had to learn yourself, but I understand yeah. injection molding. That's plastics getting like, I guess, as a liquid form injected into a mold and then hardening. But could you kind of explain both of those two molding processes that you mentioned? Yeah. So one thing that I'm really proud about is that all of my plastics are made out of recycled plastic. Um, it was a really important move for the steel mixer because, you know, I feel like, well, one, making stuff overseas is just greedy and wasteful. And then two, we have a plastic problem in this world, right? Like if you're yeah. using fresh organic process or pro uh, plastic, you're, you're being greedy. Um, yeah. and, and complete, uh, to be completely honest, recycled plastic doesn't cost it's, it's the same price almost really. Huh. Yeah. Wow. It's just, it's just, it comes in black. Huh. You can't get the nice green colors or whatever. Right. Wow. So, and, and I don't mind the black. So here's an injection mold. This is, um, this was the, this is the axle that goes on each side of the drum. And before this, I had to use a floor flange and a, a pipe and making them was so stressful, man. First of all, I can guarantee you they're not made in the United States. And right. if you do buy one that's made in the United States, you're paying a lot of money for one. Yeah. Um, this, after I bought the mold, is pretty cheap to make. Wow. And I'm excited made in the USA, you know? It's a, pretty, <laughs> it's a good thing. <laughs> so, so when you say mold, that's like the mold or the form. And then yeah. is, is the company in, there's, there's got to be a whole factory with plastics and all these things making it? Or how, how does that happen? All of my stuff, except for the wooden handles, is made in LA. And they're wow. all within 11 miles of each other, Gardenia area. It's yeah. all just this massive factory area, right? That's all they do is make stuff. Um, and I go down there once every three weeks and check in with them. And um, But it's nice because they're all right, you know, my footprint's tight. And I'm, I'm really excited about that. Uh, you know, they don't mail stuff to each other. They drive over and say hi, right? Yeah. So, uh, so an injection mold is, it's basically a big piece of steel that they cut in half and then they router out whatever piece you want. And then they drill a little hole, I think a couple of different holes and put yep. fittings on it. And then they close it. Boom. They shoot hot plastic into it. They wait a second, they pull it apart and out pops your part. Yeah. And I mean, I can make a thousand of these in one day, you know? Um, yeah. And, uh, the, the rotational mold, the, what my drum's made out of is two, two pieces that have already been, that process is insane. They, uh, I, I don't know what product they use, but some guy makes this 3d printer kind of thing and then pours like an aluminum frame around it and then breaks that all out. Now they have my mixer and huh. then they engrave my names and stuff into it. Huh. And then they close, they pour like powdered plastic in there, close it up, bolt it, and then put it inside an oven and it rotates around and fill and until it melts it all. And then they go into another cooling room and then it cools it down. They pull it apart, 
And then they take a little grinder and cut the top off. And there's huh. my drum. Done. Is that because it's a different type of plastic than what the axles are made out of? And it has to use that different process? Uh, it, they have to use, yes, yeah, a different kind of a type of plastic, correct. And they have to, um, the reason why rotational mold works is you can't really make a mold and then shoot plastic into it because there's, it's, it's odd shaped, right? Like a canoe. You, how yeah. would you have a form on the inside of a canoe and get it out? You couldn't, right? It, it's, it's stuck once it's, it's once stuck. It's, so that's yeah. why they do a, an exterior shell mold and they get it hot and the plastic goes all around and then it cools it off and they cut the opening on whatever it is. Water huh. tanks, you know, big water tanks are rotational molds. Then they drill the holes for the little valves or whatever. Wow. Yeah, that was you, a real, that was a learning process. What, what, what was that like when you first got your first plastic one after your mold and had it in your hands? What, what oh, was man. that moment like? Do you remember it pretty well? Almost as good as the day that I found out I got my patent. Yeah. <laughs> um, the day I found out I got my patent, I cried for a while. I couldn't believe it. What a relief, man. Wow. What a relief. And then I told my wife and sat on my front porch and cried for another hour. She thought it was hilarious, but. Oh, uh, I, I, you probably just collapsed. You're just I did. Like, I had no idea. I had no yeah. idea. That was a long, long process. But when I had a garage sale, I actually had one of my steel mixers in the side yard, the old wooden ones. And some guy came up to the garage sale and was like, oh, I'll take this and I'll take that. And he goes, what's that? And I'm like, oh, that's, that's my concrete mixer. And he looks, he goes, may I, may I go look at it? And he go, I'm all sure. He comes over and starts looking and he goes, wow you need to get this out of rotational mold. And I was like, what's that? And oh. he goes, check it out. Go, go online and look rotational mold. And I was like, oh, okay. There you Whoa. go. Yeah. And he's totally right. I don't know who that guy is. Hey, if you're <laughs> listening to this, you, yeah. I owe you a bunch of beers. Come on over. <laughs> you Amazing. Know? Right. Right. Huh. Yeah. And then Amazing. Uh, injection mold. I've known about for a while just because I have a buddy that has a part that he does and I actually hit up objection mold company and say, can you make one of these axles? You know, while I was down in LA, he goes, heck yeah, I can make one of those. I'm well, is it strong enough? And he goes, hit it with the hammer. You won't, you won't, this is really, really hard, hard plastic. And I was like, yeah, how much to get a mold and then how much per part? And he told me I'm all done, done, yeah, sold, sold. Yeah. Oh, it's just amazing. Um, I, I know this isn't as interesting for our listeners, maybe, but I feel like I wish I could have seen that moment where you got your patent and just I'm like getting emotional just thinking about this 13 years and four no's and all this money. And oh, my gosh, I just can't I just can't imagine the relief that must have just been like I, pouring over. I you. was at my shop and I saw the email and I swear to you that. <laughs> The email popped up and it was, I saw so many of those emails and always yeah. it was no, always yeah. it was no from my attorney. It was no. Yeah. And I looked at the email and it said something really like, oh man, wordy at first. Yeah. It wasn't congratulations the first word, right? Like, and right. I looked at it and I was just like, here we go. I crossed my head like, okay, so guess you're going to be in construction the rest of your life which is fine. You're, you're really good at what you do. You know, you have great clients. There's a lot of work. You pay the bills. Guess you're shutting the shop down, you know, and what are you going to do? Make more steel mixers and you can't sell them. I mean, if you sell them, someone can knock it off. Yeah. 
And then I went into my shop. I didn't look at the email. I went into my shop and, you know, did set the alarm and closed it. And then opened up the email. I'm like, all right, let's see why they said no. <laughs> and I read through and then it said, congratulations, after you scroll down a little bit. And I remember oh. staring at that for a minute. I was like, wait a minute. First time ever, right? Yeah. I wanted to go to tell my wife so bad, but I couldn't stop crying. And I don't know if you've ever tried to drive and cry. It doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. I, I've, you know? One time in my life, I, some, I had an experience and I, I had to pull over because it just wasn't working. <laughs> it so doesn't, I know what you mean. No yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah you got to pull over. You don't want to crash your truck, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I pulled over, I think, three or four times driving home. Uh, I was going to go first get a bottle of nice champagne, right? And yeah. uh, I had to drive, pull over a few times. But, uh, it's still honestly sitting in, you know, it's still, yeah. I mean, there's a reason why I have a, a patent number on my arm yeah. tattooed. I, uh, I tattooed yeah. it on there just yeah. because I, I feel like it's a, a really big accomplishment and I can feel it. And it was like, it taught me something about persistence and believing yeah. in yourself and keep going. Even like the, I'm not afraid to hear no's anymore, man. Like really like, yeah. Like if I talk to investors and they're like, no, or if I'm trying to sell one to someone, I'm not really trying to sell them at all to anyone. If you don't get it, if you don't want something easier, you know, to mix concrete with and you don't, you think it's a gimmick or what, whatever, get out of the way. Cause I'm going to find yeses and I'm not trying to, you know, convince anyone. I'm just letting everyone know there is no easier way to mix concrete. There isn't. And it's pretty dang cool. Yeah. Yeah, that really is cool. So in this day and age with people being able to price shop and buy things dirt cheap on Amazon, I'm sure you have a lot of people being like, yeah, it looks amazing, but I, I don't want to spend the money when I could just use a wheelbarrow and a shovel. You don't have to explain your pitch to them, but just talk about it because this is one of the challenges in this day and age. You know, you'd love to sell them for pennies, but it just doesn't work. So what what's your like, you know, mindset? I'm sure there'll be a point where you can bring the price down but what's your sort of mindset on price at the moment i think it's uh two two ninety two ninety seven 297 right now on my website maybe right around there within five dollars um okay. made in the usa recycled plastic you know uh that's that's pretty cheap yeah. <laughs> and uh i would love to get it down below that but as a startup company you know there's some big costs involved i've got rotational mold you know injection yeah. molds I've got attorneys, I've got people that are working for me, you know, it's, um, yeah. I, I have to, I have to make it, you know, first. And also, exactly. um, I need to get a bunch of sales and also quantity. Like if I'm going to order a hundred thousand of these, which is my goal in the next three years, then the price will go down. Um, but really I'm investing my time right now and I'm getting, um, certified through the government. I'm a, I'm a disabled veteran and, uh, it's a, I'm a veteran owned company and my goal is to sell wow. to the, to the government, right? I want to sell them to the construction builders and FEMA. And I honestly, when I'm done with that, cause that's a process when I'm done with that, I know that the sales will be high enough through them, um, that I can lower my price. But right yeah. now, like right now though, it is what it is. And, and, um, I, I have some people that are saying that's crazy. I'll buy a wheelbarrow. Yeah. But Okay. <laughs> yeah. <go> I, <laughs> I, I can mix a bag of concrete blindfolded with one hand faster than they can mix a bag of concrete in a wheelbarrow. 
you know, yeah. like, and I've well, done and it's it like, YouTube. it's like you said, it's not for everybody. And that's fine. You know, when I was younger, I was, believe me, $5 was like a huge number for every, I had to like really think about every dollar that left as you get older and people are at different points in their career, it's not as big of a deal. And then I think it gets to a point where honestly, you just, it's almost like incumbent on people just to help the steel mixer. Like we got to buy these things just to get this out there. It's such a beautiful and elegant and God, it just needs this just needs to be in the world, you know, more. So, yeah. you know, for some people, I know it's going to be the kind of thing where like, I, I want to have one of those for, you know, you're going to have it for years, mix up concrete with pleasure and put a smile on your face every time you use it. And in addition, it's manufactured in California, no less, which I know in, in a lot of ways is not an easy state to do business in, no, let alone not. manufacturing and, and everything else you've been going through. So just right. for that reason alone. Right. Yeah. What's yeah, your, what? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, uh, go ahead, please. I was going to ask what your, like, I, I don't know if your grandfather's still alive, but well, the other family who kind of knew about great grandpa's original one, they got to just be, have the biggest smiles on their face also. Yeah. Um, no, no, no. Uh, my grandfather, my dad passed away last year. Um, and my cousins that know about it, they're, they're tickled, you know, my yeah. sister. Yeah. My uncle, uh, he, he's pretty tickled about it too. He, he thought that's cool. Um, uh, but I, I know that, uh, my great grandfather, my grandfather, my dad are smiling down from heaven yeah. right now, you know, oh. that's, and, and I would have yeah. loved my dad to see that, but uh, he died in a yeah. car accident last two years ago. Um, that was pretty brutal and kind of put the brakes on the steel mixer for a while. I wasn't prepared, you know, for a loss like that. Um, but it's made me stronger and, and also made me want to go harder to show him to be proud up in the heaven, you know? Oh, that's, uh, that's really something, man. That's, uh, that's fresh. I'm sorry to hear that. And, uh, Ooh. what a, what a decade you've been through. I mean, wow. <laughs> that's just amazing. Um, yeah. on, on top of everything else here. Um, I've met a lot. I don't know if it's just contractors in general, but I know guys who work with their hands and use tools are oriented to think about tools. And I love the, the fact that every tool it started as somebody's idea, you know, everything, every appliers, you know, all everything started as an idea. And I met a lot of guys in the trades who have ideas like right now. And it's just so hard to take that idea to the next step. So I'm sure you've have people kind of asking you for advice and like, Hey, you, you've done this. What, what you would, what would you recommend I do next? What, what do you say to like a classroom of guys who kind of have these ideas in their head? Is it something that, you know, you, you can, uh, do, do you have people, asking you for mentorship or helping or do you, are there resources available that the a person at the ground level of this can um you know start with you know that's that's a great question because i had a lot of people contacting me saying hey we'll help you get your patent we'll help you sell we'll help you and you know they're just they're really in it for the money um and there's a lot of sharks out there um there's a company and i didn't use them uh invent right is what they're mm. called that's a pretty cool place if you want to license an idea, right? Um, but if it's a really, really good idea, like what worth getting a solid patent, utility patent, I mean, one thing I think that I learned the most is like, look, you didn't just win the lottery. You know what I mean? It's, I mean, honestly, I'm still not making a lot of money off it. It's, I'm so fresh though. Like I've only yeah. launched this, you know, a couple months ago, but you know, it's, and I'm, I'm, I, I'm telling my sons this too. Listen, we didn't win the lottery. I still have a lot of work to do. And it, 
if you believe in your product, it's worth it, but baby steps, right? Like yeah. I would hire a lawyer. Definitely. The, one of the biggest things you can do is get a um, non-disclosure. So if you talk to someone about it, they can't do anything with it. Uh, that, that's the first thing you do. And those are free offline, right? And that way you can start talking to people about it. And, uh, and you know, you can uh, get a, get a lawyer and start doing the patent process. And then, I mean, I don't know if I know enough yet because I'm still there <laughs> about what to do next. Yeah. Um, but ideally, uh, I had thought about, you know, after this launched um, and it's self-sufficient and running on, on itself to open up something like that. But that would put me in an office and I don't really belong there. Yeah. Um, but I, I would definitely say a, no, a non-disclosure and talk to a lawyer. But but also know that you got a lot of work to do. It's not, you know. It's not yeah. just unless you're going to sell the idea, which you can, right? You're still going to need to get a non-disclosure. And a lot of big companies like tool companies, they won't sign non-disclosures. They won't do really? it. Yeah. There was some big, I reached out to a couple of tool companies made in the USA tool companies. They said, no, we don't sign those. And I was like, wow. But don't you want to hear about my good idea? They're all go get a patent and then we'll talk to you. And I was like, yeah. oh, okay. <laughs> yeah have you talked to him since you got your patent or are you kind of just no, going to do in-house now i'm it's all in-house now yeah 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 i'm not you know it's uh it's funny because i i have a couple investors and i just cut the other ones off and and i'm getting a personal loan now i'm so far along now man it's like yeah I, i'm not giving all the percentage away you yeah. know well and at this point like like this exact thing there's an you can connect with the people you don't need quite as many middlemen involved and and you Right. It's it's this is one of the advantages tradesmen and and working type people have is that digging in and just working is like that comes natural. I've known people who have this idea, you know, maybe I whatever it is, but they're the 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 friction always comes when it's just like the hard heavy lifting, like whether it's cold calls and whatever the actual grunt work is, that's where they kind of stall out. But guys who are in the trades and used to just like work it you know, what's, what's a, you know, a bunch of cold calls or knocking on doors or getting told no at that, that part. So it's kind of an advantage. I, it seems like with once you've had like a several years of really thrashing, you know, you're not quite as scared of the, the work aspect of, even if it's totally. a different type of work, you know, right. you beat in the streets a little bit. I'm not surprised that, you know, a lot of guys that have inventions or great ideas. Um, you know, I think that good contractors or good tradesmen, we deal with solving the problems every day. That's what yeah. we do. We solve problems every day. Nothing goes right ever. I mean, if it does, you got a lucky day and those are rare, right? Yeah. Um, I've told my boys that they, you know, when they were younger, what do you do? I'm all, I solve problems all day. <laughs> and yeah. it's really, it really what it is. And, and I believe that, you know, uh, what is, what's that saying? Oh, uh, Frustration is the invention of all, or no, frustration is the mother of all inventions. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, like if you're, yeah. this isn't working, what is it? Wait, I know how to fix that. Yes. You know? Yes. Yeah. Well, our, our viewers know my dad well, and he's, you know, how, you know how many things a, a framer, for just as an example, invents over their career, little contraptions to move the material up or to solve this exact thing and little levers and little machines. And, and it's actually kind of amazing. Even in my dad's shop right now, the little, the 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 contraptions and things that he's built and invented i mean they're all over the place now wow. that's still a long ways from patenting them but it's a mindset of sort it of is. 
of, right. of, of problem solving and thinking outside the box and assembling parts and fastening fastening them with all the you know tools at your disposal and fasteners you know of and right yeah yeah it's 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 it comes natural i think to tradesmen to some extent i agree i agree the good ones for sure were you ever tempted to go on to i i, I haven't watched shark tank a lot but I, every time <laughs> i watch it i like it and i'm kind of like oh it's really cool and uh, i know it's mostly entertainment but did that ever cross your head to try to get up there uh, my old phone has Mark Cuban's phone number in it. I have a client that knows him personally and, huh. uh, they said, Hey, you should call him up. And I said, you know, the last thing that I ever want to do is talk to sharks. Yeah. And, um, and I watched the movie, I watched the show and I was like, yeah, this is really cool. Uh, but what they really do, I mean, there's only that one lady that has like a hundred patents. I would love to get in her pocket, but yeah. the other ones, I feel like they just throw money at your way and then you're still going to do all the work yourself right so yeah. <laughs> if you really believe what you got go get a loan do it right yeah unless they have some great connections um the newer ones they start using more of their connections but i'm curious percentage wise uh who's really made it on shark tank you know i'm the curious tv network i'm i'm guessing is the one who came out on top <laughs> <laughs> i think you're absolutely right, <laughs> right? yeah that that's the real winner. And, but I, I think it's a good show just because it gets people thinking this way in general. And there's, yeah. that's only a good thing. I mean, it, compared to thinking about, I don't know, nothing wrong with baking or singing. Those things are also great. But, but thinking about creating is, I, I, it's more valuable for humanity, you know, at least totally. the way I look at the world. So I, I like that, um, that show. And, you know, th that reminds me of just a thought I've had several times about partnerships in general, which is what that would be. And if you've had investors, you've come up with partnerships, but mm -hmm. you want a partnership when the partner is bringing something to the table that you exactly. really need. And you don't, it's not always just money that you really need, you know, right. it's, and if they're not bringing something you really need, well, what's the point? And exactly. so even if someone, Mark Cuban has, you know, can inject all this money, I mean, that could be what you need, but not always. That's not always like the missing link. You know, that's not gonna, totally. that's not gonna instantly make everybody like want a mixer necessarily. So, right. I don't know. Is there anything else in particular you want to definitely cover or talk about that we haven't? Yeah, I wanted to uh, let your listeners know that if if they're thinking about buying a steel mixer, if they direct message me and use, uh, I don't know, we can come up with the code right now, or just say, hey, I yeah. saw saw this on there. I'm going to give them 10% off just for... Oh, yeah. Uh, there you go. Do E yeah. slash EC, slash EC, and give them a bargain. Slash EC. There it is. Yeah. And what I was going to tell the listeners, and they, this is the, probably the first time they're hearing about the steel mixer, and I know you've sent one up to us that we'll use, but um, I think we're going to buy another one just because, like I said, I feel, it feels like almost like I have this duty to support, and I want to. And and we're going to have this open house this summer on this uh, spec house we're building, and it'll be a great thing to give away and kind of put out. So oh, that's awesome. we're going to, we'll get a brand, we'll get ours all dirty and, and bust it up. And then we'll, we'll purchase a new one to give away it and get out in someone else's hands. I said it in the intro, but let me say it again in case people uh, missed it. And now they've heard more. Um, your Instagram account has a lot of really neat photos of this process all along the way. Mm -hmm. You can see the molds, you can see the prototypes, you can see the antique one. And it's, it was really fun just scrolling through that and almost like seeing the story unfold as it goes. So um, everybody listening, we will link to that. And is it Steel Mixer? Is that the Amazon account? Um, okay. Uh, Anywhere Mixer. else? 
Uh, not Amazon. Steelmixer.com is where you can buy them at. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I, I meant um, Instagram on your Instagram oh, account. Steelmixer, yes. Yeah. Well, Stephen, thanks so much for taking the time. We will be in touch. We're cheering you on and we will link to all of this in our description of the video and in the show notes. And I hope you have a great afternoon and uh, we'll we'll catch up again one of these days. Keep it up. Appreciate you having me. Thank you.